In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. We'd like to welcome you with great joy to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. Great to be with all of you. So, we always like to begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's uh, ask Mary to be with us, to pray for us, and to pray with us as we draw closer and closer to Christ, saying the prayer that Mary loves most. That prayer is the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary, Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual guide. Who is our spiritual guide? Our spiritual guide is the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. He's the Paraclete. He's also known as the Gift of Gifts. He's also known as the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. He's also known as our counselor. Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. He who makes us holy. Holy Spirit, you know, it's also the interior master. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, reminds us with these comforting words. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but good news. The Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba, which means Daddy or Father. (laughs) Excuse me. We don't know how to praise we are, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with these ineffable groans so we can say Abba, which means Daddy or Father. 
So let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give us a lot, of lo- lot of light in our intellect, a lot of peace and a lot of joy within. As we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and it shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, it did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, Pray for us. St. Raphael. Pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. This is Gaudete Sunday, which means the Sunday of great joy. We'll be talking about the reason for that. Gaudete is Latin for rejoice. For rejoice. So the Mass that I'll celebrate today, I promise to place all of you on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And I would like to offer special intentions. First intention that all of us today would make a real effort to be open to the Holy Spirit. That's right. To be open to the Holy Spirit. Our sanctification depends in large part upon being open to the Holy Spirit. So this might be our prayer today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My, my next intention will be that all of you would experience great joy today. This may, may be a day of great rejoicing. Even though in Los Angeles, Southern California right now, it's, uh, it's raining pretty hard. May the actual rain not dampen our spirits because if we have God with us, if God is with us, who can be against us? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So may the sun be shining within the very depths of your hearts today. Not to allow external circumstances to dampen our spirits. My third intention, as always, is I'd like to pray with you for the conversion of sinners and the salvation of sinners. For the conversion of sinners as well as for the salvation of sinners. To pray in a special way, especially for those who will be dying today. And those who, who are dying today who are not well prepared. St. Catherine of Siena has said that the two most important moments in our lives would be now and at the hour of our death. Now because we only have now. And the moment we die, the moment we die will determine for all eternity Our eternal destiny, either salvation or damnation, there's no other possibility. So let's pray for poor, hardened sinners that they would be saved. And as St. Thomas Aquinas points out, one soul, your soul, the soul of that sinner that's dying is worth more than the whole created universe. The whole created universe. So my friends, today is Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete Sunday. You are aware of the fact in Mass when we as priests celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We come out in the external garment which is called the chasuble. And below the chasuble is that, that draping garment over our left and right shoulder which is called the stole 
And the chasm on the stove will always harmonize. They'll always be the same. But you notice that there are different colors. There's the green color, which would be the color for ordinary time. There'd be the red color when we celebrate the memorial of a martyr who shed his blood for Christ. The white in honor of the saints and Mary. Then you have purple. Purple which we wear during Advent and Lent. Signifying the call to conversion. Words of Christ. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Be converted because the kingdom of God is at hand. Be converted because the kingdom of God is at hand. But then, only twice a year we have a color which is seen only twice a year. And that is the rose color. The rose color is only seen twice a year. And that would be the fourth Sunday in Lent. And then it's also the third Sunday in Advent, which happens to be, happens to be today. So you're going to see rose or pink twice in the whole year. So the color signifies something very important. The rose color is symbolic of joy. That's right of joy. In Lent, the fourth Sunday would be because we are about to celebrate Holy Week. Holy Week, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Christ, our redemption, our salvation, came about by the incarnation of Christ, but also by His Paschal Mystery, which includes His Passion, Death, and Resurrection. So that's a source of great joy. Another would be today, the third Sunday of Advent, the Gaudete Sunday, because we are about to celebrate the most famous, the most important birthday in the history of the world. That's the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Exactly two weeks from today, we'll be celebrating Christmas. The birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that should be a, that should be a motive of great rejoicing in our lives.
And I find this concept of joy to be fascinating over the past couple of years in my life as a priest. Giving the spiritual exercises for many years, when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, St. Ignatius says we should be begging for, in Spanish, intensissimo gozo, meaning the most intense joy, because Christ is truly risen from the dead. I honestly believe that there is a universal call to holiness, a universal call to happiness, and a universal call to heavenly bliss. I'll say that again. I believe that there's a universal call to holiness, a universal call to happiness, and a universal call to heavenly bliss. Universal call to holiness, my friends, that we're all called to become saints. That's right, we're all called to become saints. As Jesus said, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. But we're also, we're all called, we're all called also to happiness. Probably a question surfaces in your mind if we're all called to holiness and happiness. Why is it that we're surrounded by so many people that are sad, they suffer depression, they, they're cast into a profound desolation, they're almost like in a quicksand of sadness in which they're sinking deeper and deeper. Why is it that we're surrounded by so many people that experience this, this overwhelming sadness in their lives? And my response would be very simple and easy to understand. We experience sadness because, and not that joy, because we're searching for joy, true happiness, in the wrong place. That's right, we're searching for joy and happiness in the wrong place. We're searching for joy and happiness in the wrong place. That's right. And many people confuse joy with pleasure. Pleasure can be acquired by money and by external stimuli by the senses being stimulated. But joy is a work within us. 
And joy actually, joy actually is one of the, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, years ago, I, uh, I, I, I was exposed to an acronym. And I'd like to share this acronym with you. We really want to experience joy. Here it is. Joy. J-O-Y. The letter J. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. O stands for others. Place others second. And finally, why you put yourself last. J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last. That's the way So I've actually posted that for you. Jesus, others, you. J-O-Y. Place Christ first. Seek to serve others next. Then after that, we come last. We come last, we really open our hearts to an overflowing joy in our lives. So, that being the case, I'd like to enter into the readings today. Sunday Mass always offers us an abundant plethora of reflections from three different parts of the Bible. And Jesus will go on to say that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So the first reading is taken from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, my friend, speaks about the desert. The desert. Let's go through the various desert experiences that we that we encounter in in the Bible, in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. The desert is a pretty common theme that you experience in sacred scripture. First of all, Abram is traveling through the desert trying to pursue and to encounter the promised land. Then from Abram we encounter Moses. What does Moses do? 
God calls Moses from tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. And Moses encounters God on the holy mountain. And God summons Moses to free the Israelites from the slavery of the Egyptians. They've been slaves for many, many years. So Moses leads the people out of the slavery of Egypt, crossing through the Red Sea, and then the Israelites are in, are in the desert, basically traveling through the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. And finally, they enter the promised land through Joshua, who was the follower of Moses. Then we encounter Elijah. Elijah was trying to save his life from the wicked king and queen. And he travels through the desert until he finally arrives at Mount Carmel. Elijah encounters God not in the wind or in the earthquake but he encounters God in the gentle breeze the gentle wind the gentle breeze the gentle wind what else we go into the New Testament and Jesus, after he's baptized, he goes to the desert. And in the desert, our Lord, he prays and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And he encounters the devil. The devil tempts our Lord. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, he's tempted actually three times. Jesus will go on to say, when he's being tempted to turn stones into bread, he says that man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then after our Lord, we see St. Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, that he goes off St. Paul to the desert of Arabia for several years, where Paul will prepare himself for his mission. Then even in the lives of the saints, you will, experience, you will meet those who are called the Desert Fathers. The Desert Fathers who would leave the city world to seek out refuge with God in the desert. And one of the most famous Desert Fathers, his name is St. Anthony. St. Anthony of the Desert 
who happens to be the Eastern father of monasticism in the Eastern Church. Now what about us? Retreat Master might challenge you to make a desert experience. Now what do we experience in the desert? Well, there's silence. When there's silence, then we can pray. In the desert also, there's dryness and aridity. In our spiritual life, at times, we have to go through dryness and aridity. There's detachment. You're not attached to the modern appliances that we're so accustomed to. Also there in the desert, it's a place of battle. The battle against ourselves and the battle against the evil spirits. So in a certain sense, we all are challenged to have a, de a desert experience. In a certain sense, if we're making our daily holy hour, that's a desert experience. Because we find ourselves alone with our Lord in prayer. So let's move from Isaiah to the responsorial psalm. And the antiphon for the responsorial psalm is, Lord, come and save us. Lord, come and save us. The name of Jesus means Savior. The Archangel Gabriel said, His name is Jesus because He will save the people from their sins. I'd like to invite all of you to enrich your prayer life Enrich your prayer life with these words. The apostles were out in the boat and the Lord, the Lord stayed on the shore to pray to His Heavenly Father. Now, at about three o'clock in the morning, the apostles could not cross the lake because of the weather. There at about three o'clock in the morning, the apostles saw someone who was walking on the waters. And They cried out, terrified, it's a ghost. 
It's a ghost. Jesus, aware of their fear, he cries out saying, Do not be afraid, it is I. Peter says, If it's really you, Lord, tell me to walk on the water. Jesus says, Come. Peter starts to walk on the water. But aware of the inclement conditions, the waves, the wind, Peter loses hope and he starts to sink. And as he's sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Jesus, with one hand, man of little faith, and he stretches out his hand to, to grab onto the hand of Peter. Then they get into the boat. The boat crosses over to the other side, safe and sound. I think that's very symbolic of our own lives. That we are sometimes cast into a sea in which there are storms. Seems as if our boat is about to capsize. Seems as if the boat is being filled with water. Seems as if as now that the rain is coming down upon us to engulf us. In those days and those times, like Peter, we should say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And as the Lord stretched out his hand to Peter, grabbing onto his hand, so we want to stretch out our hand to the hand of Christ and allow him to grab us so that we can walk on the water, get in the boat, and cross over safely to the other shore. Let's move into the second reading. Second reading is taken from the letter of St. James, chapter 5. wouldn't be a bad idea for you just to sit down and read all the letter of St. James. It's just five chapters. And also chapter 3 is one of the best chapters in the whole Bible on the sins of the tongue. St. James says we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. And St. James speaks about the, the damage that the uncontrolled tongue can do. The damage of an uncontrolled tongue. But the reading today from St. James starts off with this command. This is a message for all of us. He says, be patient. Be patient. I think all of us suffer times from impatience. 
Maybe you heard the prayer of that woman who said, Lord, give me patience right now, right now, right now, give me patience. We want it right now. I like to call it the, I like to call it the, if you look at my posting, I call it the microwave. I like to call it the, the microwave spirituality is that we want, we want things to be done quickly. We don't like to wait. We like people to be on time. We want things to move to to move about very smoothly at our at our own pace. So as we get closer to Christmas, which will be two weeks from today, filled with joy, let us pray. My friends, let us pray, my friends, for the virtue of patience. Jesus says, by your patience, you will save your souls. By your patience, you will save your souls. Patience. This patience that we all hopefully are striving for, we can all grow in the virtue of patience. This patience, my friends, should be manifested in many ways. But I'd like to highlight three areas that we have to be patient. First of all, we have to be patient with we have to be patient with God. Too often we're we pray to God, we beg God for certain graces. We beg God to carry out our designs. We make these, what we believe to be these infallible novenas, maybe to St. Jude or just to God himself. We want God to, we want God to do that, carry it out right away. I think we, we do suffer from that, that we want God to carry out our plans, our designs overnight or even earlier. God's clock, God's watch is not ours. It's different. So let's pray for patience, patience the way God works in our lives. Second, I think we should be praying for patience with with others. 
especially to pray for patience with others and starting in our own family life. Charity begins at home, but also patience begins at home. Charity begins at home, but also patience begins at home. Patience with others. Then this has to be said also, patience with with ourselves. The founder of the Oblates, Venerable Bruno Lanteri, teaches us these words. Nunc Chepi. Nunc Chepi means now I start, now I begin. If we fall, and we have fallen, and we're probably going to be falling in the future, let us not become discouraged, but let's get up. My friends, one of the worst things in the spiritual life, and St. Francis de Sales insists upon us understanding this, one of the worst things is to give in to discouragement. That's right. Giving in to discouragement. St. Ignatius would put it this way, desolation. When we find ourselves in a hole or a pit of desolation, we're lacking in faith, lacking in hope, lacking in charity, we feel sad, we feel discouraged, we feel depressed, we feel that our, our life is has no real meaning. We find ourselves on a treadmill when we're not going anywhere fast. Well, those are times in which we should turn to God and ask the Lord to remove that cloud of discouragement from ourselves. So St. James... when he's talking about patience, he speaks about, he speaks about patience utilizing an example from nature. From nature. And the example from nature that he offers us is a farmer. Even though we may not be professional farmers, all of us know that for corn to sprout or barley to sprout, 
or any crop to sprout, there's a process. St. James speaks about the importance of planting the seed. It has to be watered. And the farmer patient, patiently awaits for the crop to sprout out, sprout up, and eventually to harvest the crop. It's a long process. Another one that the apostles were very familiar with would be that of the fishing business. Fishermen, they throw their nets into the, into the sea and sometimes they don't pill up anything except a wet net. They only pull up a wet net until eventually there will be fish in the net. So it is in our spiritual life, in our family life, in our personal life, we should try to pray for patience with God the way He works with us. Pray for patience with others, most especially our family members. Let's pray also for patience with ourselves. And a person that occurs to me right now that can be a model for us is the person and the life of St. Monica. St. Monica had a lot of family problems. That's right. St. Monica had a, a lot of family problems. She had problems with her husband, who was a drunk, violent, and unfaithful. Problems with her mother-in-law, who was a gossip. And problems with her son, Augustine, who was addicted to sex. But Monica did not give up. Monica did not give up, but Monica persevered. And we know what happened. Her husband was converted. Her mother-in-law was converted. And her son, Augustine, was converted. And he went on to become a great saint. But that took a lot of prayers, patience, and penance, and perseverance. And now we arrive, my friends, at the Gospel. In the Gospel, my friends, we encounter a very important figure to prepare us for Christmas. In the Gospel, we encounter the great... His name is the great John the, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a key figure for for Lent as well as for Advent preparing us for these key events.
for these key events. Now we encounter John the Baptist in a very special place. And if you've seen the movie The Chosen, where Jesus is choosing the apostles to be his followers, we do encounter the person of John the Baptist. The last episode, Andrew actually goes with our Lord's permission to encounter John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is where we find him today. He's he's found in jail. He's found in prison. The reason for this was that John the Baptist denounced John the Baptist denounced King Herod for his living condition. King Herod has taken his brother's wife, Herodias, and he's actually living with his brother's wife. This is beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's not only a scandal, but it's a public scandal. Everyone knows that the king, Herod, should not be living with his brother Philip's wife. But John the Baptist had the courage to denounce this, saying, what you're doing is wrong. This is an adulterous, incestuous relationship. This is wrong. So Herod throws John the Baptist in prison. So he sends John the Baptist, sends a message to Jesus asking, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus responds by saying, go and tell John the Baptist what you see, that the blind see, the lame walk. And the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And even the dead are raised. And then the poor have the good news proclaimed to him. Jesus said, Blessed is he who takes no offense at me. So what Jesus is basically saying is, You can know the tree by its fruits. You see all these miracles that are coming about by by my words, by my presence. Then Jesus goes to speak about to the crowds about the person of John the Baptist. John the Baptist can be a key figure as we get closer and closer to Christmas. We might invite John the Baptist to be with us. Invite John the Baptist to to be with us. 
Jesus says, what did you do? Did you go out to see, out the desert to see a, a reed being swayed by the wind? Pointing out, did you go out to see someone who was weak, vacillating, irresolute, insecure, with an identity crisis? Don't expect that in John the Baptist. Don't expect that in John the Baptist. They say, and he said, Do you go, did you expect to go out to the desert and see someone dressed in fine clothing? You're not going to find that. We know that John the Baptist lived a life of, of great mortification, of great penance. And the way he would eat locusts and and wild honey. But also John the Baptist was a man that practiced great mortification in the way he dressed. He did not dress luxuriously, but he dressed in a very humble, austere manner. Dressing in camel's fur and a leather belt around his waist. And then Jesus goes on to he goes on to compliment John the Baptist. A real compliment. Now Lord did not give compliments very often. He said Of all the men born of women, of all the men born of women, none greater than St. John the Baptist. Of all the men born of women, None greater than John the Baptist. But he would be of, of the least born into the kingdom of heaven. So John the Baptist is a key figure for all of us. As we draw closer and closer to the birthday of Christ, which is just two weeks away. John the Baptist can teach us these lessons. Number one, quoting Isaiah, to prepare the way for the Lord. Let us, in honor John the Baptist, remove all the obstacles in our hearts so that Christ can be born in our hearts. Let's clear the way Let's clear the way so that that Christ can come and to be born and live in our hearts. Next, may we not be dominated by sensuality, by lust, by gluttony, 
by laziness. But as St. Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And like John the Baptist, let us pray that we would be humble. John the Baptist said, he must increase. John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. He said that I'm not even worthy to unfasten the sandal strap of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So my friends, My friends, today is Gaudete Domino. It is the Sunday of joy. The Sunday of joy. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord, I say it again, Rejoice in the Lord. So I'd like to pray that all of you would have a day of great rejoicing, but that you would recognize that your joy, your true joy, can only be found in the Lord. And I'd like to impart on you my priestly blessing. You pray for me, and I will pray for you. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.